This is Tom Gross, Coffee with Kenobi News Guy, and you are listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. If they don't go for this, we're going to have to get out of here pretty quick, Chewie. You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast. What a piece of junk. I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin. Just as clumsy as he is stupid. Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage. No, no, the one I'm pointing to. All the way to current releases. This? Yes. All right, let's get started. Commence primary ignition. Welcome back, or if this is your first episode, welcome aboard. My name is Greg McLaughlin, and this is the Rebel Base Cart Podcast. Good show for you tonight as my guest is Frank Hargraves of Padawan Bear Patches. He is one half of the force behind this Etsy shop that does vintage patches and stickers honoring the classic toys and new stuff done in that gorgeous old type style. I've been following this account for some time and have made a couple of purchases and uh, just love the stuff. It's just amazing. The uh, the accuracy and the look and feel of it is just is simply amazing. And I really wanted to kind of get to know the story behind this creative effort. We'll get to that interview here in a few minutes, but I can already hear Uncle Owen now telling me I've got some homestead keeping you get out of the way before I bring you that. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on, get to it. All right, for homestead keeping this week, only a couple of items. Uh, I just want to say I'm happy to report that uh, the book from Ingrid Hardy, The Art of Sketch Cards, and the uncut sheet and the folder of goodies that we had given out as part of uh, Ingrid's uh, generous donation of the book, as well as celebrating a couple years uh, on the Instagram page, uh, have made it into the hands of their respective winners, uh, safe and sound. It was really nice to not only, uh, like you know, last weekend, uh, to get it nice and packaged off, but then to find this week, and you know, we had some crazy weather, right? Uh, always happy to find. Uh, that uh, you know the, the postal system does what it needs to do, and that they they all got it safe and sound, and I was very happy, and uh, th- that was nice. I like like I said, I enjoyed doing uh, the giveaway. It's something I don't do a whole lot of. It's, it's something I'd like to do a little more of. Um, but like I said, there's logis- logistics behind it. But uh, very generous of Ingrid once again. And if you're not following her, uh, Ingrid Hardy, um, I'll put the uh, I'll put the links again in the uh, show notes for it. Uh, just just great stuff. She's a tremendous artist, uh, very generous, and uh, very happy to get that all in the hands of the folks who had participated. And thank you if you participated and are listening. Uh, it was really fun to interact with a lot of folks. Um, I, I had a blast, and I hope you, I hope you did too. Um, the other big news this week uh, came kind of out of the blue from Topps Digital as they announced WinterCon 2021. So across, and Topps has a number of digital apps. Of course, you hear me talk about uh, Star Wars Card Trader a lot, but there's also, you know, the Disney, the Marvel, the baseball, uh, the skate, you know, the, the NHL one, uh, the, w, the uh, Slam, which is the WWE one. Uh, there are a number of apps. And last year they did, you know, and we did an episode on it. We did one on Digicon where they had this event and it was a, it was a buy-in event. Um, you got a pass in each of the apps that you wanted to pr- participate in, uh, and you had access uh, over a course of days to exclusive content. And they also had, you know, live feeds and so forth. I think last year uh, in the Star Wars Card Trader, I do believe they talked to 
Ashley Eckstein. I think on the Disney Collect side, I think they talked to uh, John Ratzenberger, uh, the, the voice of all those great Pixar movies. Uh, and then they also had uh, you know, exclusive digital cards, I know, in Disney Collect, and I, that's just fresher in my head. Uh, they actually had these great little interview cards and you know, chases as well. And so last year, I had... Um, bought in. I think the pass itself is like a buck ninety nine. Uh, you get some crystals, which is nice, and then you get, to, like I said, you get that. They call it an insider pass. So I think I did one for Marvel, Disney. Uh, I think I did it maybe for Bunt and for uh, for uh, Star Wars Card Trader. I didn't do all of them, um, but this year I probably will do about the same. But essentially, uh, just to give you kind of the rundown, um, you can get these passes from each of the apps. I think right up until February 24th, as you are listening to this, because uh, the, the dates of the WinterCon are February 25th to 28th, 2021. Um, if it follows Digicon from last year, different sections of those days had specific content for those times. And so... It, I found it nice because it gave you something to kind of look forward to. You know, there's not a whole heck of a lot going on, obviously, you know, because of the pandemic and so forth. But um, I did. I thought they did a pretty decent job last year. Um, they've been keep trying to do these events. We you know, like we just finished the uh, Return of the Jedi watch party, and I think nearly that that came out through nearly without a hitch. There was a little bit of hiccuping near the end when it came to the trading part, just because of the taxing on those servers. And I think in this case. Probably the same where they will they will highlight uh, s- certain apps throughout the event, and in that way, you know, there's still going to be content you can chase in the others, but they will have exclusives in that way. You're not all <laughs> trying to watch everything at once, but you know, it's kind of fun. Like I said, for a couple bucks, and I think even if you are the free to play player, uh, this is one that I would say, you know. For a price of less than a cup of coffee, get in on it, and there's probably some good content there. Just like with the VIP, I know that in a, after the end of the month, uh, they had their VIP cards come out, and if you'd spent X number of money in the app, you had access to uh, like a free pack, and you could buy into a variant. And so even with the free pack, which was a couple of different, um, I think there was one with uh, Boba Fett and one with Mando, um, I think there was a silver and gold, depending upon how much you had spent over the month. Um, even just to get the free pack, and that's about all I really did. I, I felt that was nice. And, and basically what I'm getting at is you're getting a little bit of extra content for the money. So in this case, not only with the WinterCon, you know, I, I bought in at two, two bucks. I got the crystals, which I can use anyway, um, but you also get access to this content, and it's kind of fun to kind of play along. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's something, check it out. If it's something you don't want to deal with, that's perfectly fine. But you'll probably hear me talking about it as we get closer and as Topps Digital releases more information on it to see what we can expect. Uh, Very exciting to see what uh, Brandon Bernard, the uh, graphic, the lead graphic designer for Star Wars Card Trader and his team have uh, for Star Wars Card Trader and uh, real excited to see what's bringing that about. At any rate, um, one of the other things is we kind of, and this leans into our interview tonight, one of the last things is I've recently and um, gone back and trolled, I would say, uh, the five belows in my area. This, these are a discount chain that, uh, uh, like Marshalls and some other ones, TJ Maxx, where you, you maybe you get 
things that have kind of been around for a little while and they organize them in a store and they sell it, sell, sell products, various products at a, at a pretty decent discount, five below. So usually everything is $5 or uh, below that. And uh, when I went looking last year, um, I, I can't remember why I was in there, but I saw that they had a bunch of resistance figures as well as some ones from Solo and uh, The Last Jedi and so forth. And I had kind of been on a run to pick up the resistance line before it completely disappeared. I had already had a uh, Kazuda, and uh, you know, because there was only like eight or nine of these things, it was pretty easy to put them together. And for the prices at five below, yeah, you know, made it pretty cheap. You know, I'd bought Kaz for you know over ten bucks, but these figures you were getting for under five. In some cases, you know, three, three and a half, four and a half bucks. Uh, and so it made for a decent purchase. You know, when you're talking about the price of a Black Series figure or something off the shelf at Target, you know, if you're wanting to try to collect those things, that's a lot. Um, plus, as, as I've been kind of hearing the lamenting of some of the, the toy folks is that, you know, sometimes these figures get scooped up when they get released, the new ones, and it becomes very hard to try to collect, you know, let alone try to attack, attract new fans. So, you know, when I went back, and I had kind of been thinking recently, I, I, I visited, revisited Five Below, and, and kind of looked at a couple of those figures, you know, from The Last Jedi, and, and so forth. I'm like, you know what, you know, for, you know, 10 bucks, I can pick up a couple, and, uh, you know, obviously the value is, you know, we're not talking about a 77 card back here, um, but it was kind of fun. So I went and picked up a couple, took it home, I think I picked up the, uh, the Luke Jedi Master and General Leia Organa. Uh, from The Last Jedi, and it's the Force Link 2.0, so apparently if you get the the little starter kit, they, they make noise and so forth. But, you know, they very much look like a um, a three-and-three-quarter figure, and, you know, I've, I've made a little part of my shelf uh, where I keep my cards and so forth. There's a center part where I, I made a couple of makeshift uh, pig holders, and I have some of my Resistance figures hanging and some of the, uh, the great Hot Wheels that uh, Brian Miller did the uh, artwork for. Octopolis, and I was thinking like, man, it would be nice to kind of branch out and make maybe get one or two more up, and whereas the the figures themselves may not necessarily have a ton of resale value, you know, as something you can display, it makes a nice little you know visual visually pleasing thing there. So I'm like, well, maybe I could get it, bust out another peg and put a few of these figures on, and uh, and you can kind of rotate them, you know, back to front and so forth, and so you get a little different view every time. Uh, we talked to uh, you know Greg Cass from Ion Cannon. Uh, you know he kind of does that with some of his when he made his kind of custom pegboard in his uh, Star Wars room, and you know it was kind of nice. And that way, it's just not just a shelf full of stuff and books. It's something every time when I you know get my clothes and so forth. It's just this nice little Star Wars shelf. So it's something I can look at every day and enjoy, and I can mix it up. But something kind of happened, you know, and it leads me into tonight where. Yeah, I as I got two of these, you know, the collector into you kind of goes, there were still more back there. I should go get those too. I almost felt like you're doing like a rescue mission for uh for the peg warmers, right? So I went back and picked up. I think I picked up Ray and Jin. Uh, it was like the uh, the Last Jedi Ray, um, Last Jedi or was it Last Jedi or I think it was Last Jedi. I was thinking, cause, yeah, because they didn't make anything for uh for um. Rise of, Rise of Skywalker. And then I, I went back a couple other times. I picked up a uh, DJ. I picked up a Val and Beckett from Solo, A Star Wars Story. And so a nice little collection. But one of the things that kind of made it fun was that I'd noticed from my previous trips that 
some were missing. So they were starting to thin out. And you could see online that some of the ones they'd had before were, had been, you know, they'd gone through them. And so that kind of built that little collector's fire of like, oh no, I've got to, I got to try to find these things before they disappear. And so, you know, a couple day, a couple, three days of, of combing it, a couple different stores and you, and it kind of brought back that, you know, that collector's, you know, juices, you know, juices flowing inside you that kind of goes, oh man, there's a, you know, there's this, you know, this, this pressure to try to see if you can find these before they disappear, you know, which I guess you could always go on to Amazon or whatnot, but, you know, to still see them on store, in stores, to still see them on pegs, you know, there's something that, you know, when we, when you've seen stuff online for people from like Target and Walmart, and there's a bare empty shelf, you know, to see a shelf uh, or part of a shelf that's full of Star Wars toys, whether or not they're from your favorite movie or they're just ones that just weren't selling, there's still a joy of seeing that. And maybe that's also one of the other reasons why on the shelf where I just want to have that little, that little, you know, that little shrine to the, uh, to seeing, you know, full pegs of Star Wars figures that make people happy. And uh, so it was fun. And I think I might have spent 30 bucks total and got, you know, a, a lot of figures. And, you know, it's it's hard because when you look at some of those lines, you know, there's 25, you know, 30 figures to a line in some cases, you know, I can't get all of them. But it is kind of fun to go back. And it's always, you know, it's always fun while we're kind of in the middle of, you know, waiting for, you know, where we've got Holocron going on right now for the, on the card side, you know, Mando season two cards don't come out until May. So these in-between times, these downtimes are kind of fun to kind of go back through, prune the collection out a little bit, um, kind of organize again, organize those stuff, uh, stuffs you have, uh, find what you don't need. Maybe you need to move on to somebody else, but, uh, always to have that little spark, that little, that little, um, that, that spark of collecting that just kind of comes up out of nowhere uh, was a very welcome thing to uh, to have this week, especially, you know, as we saw nothing but falling temperatures and snow and, you know, the, we're really getting into the winter now and it's going to be a while before, you know, we can walk outside. We've got all the pandemic stuff going on. So, you know, wherever you can find the joy, that's, I think that's kind of um, where I'm getting at with this that's, you know, that's, you got to find it where you got to find it. And, uh, it was fun. It was a fun little collection run. I, I may not be done. I may have to get a few more things. Oh, maybe that C3PO or that K2SO like, yeah, you know what? I'd like to have a three and three quarter inch of that. And something that was not just a, you know, vintage collection or re-released, you know, retro collection one, but, uh, these were the original for those. And they came out with a specific intent. They were of their time. Uh, whether or not they sold a lot or not, I think it's the same thing with the resistance. It's a nice little moment in time, and it's a nice little collection to have. And sometimes you need those kind of distractions, I think. Um, and and like I said, as it kind of leans into tonight's discussion with Frank, you know, when I see these patches, and I recently picked up, you know, a, a couple from his site, and uh, you see the stickers and so forth, it really kind of takes you back to seeing those classic toys on the shelves and seeing the 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 mail away offers and, and so forth. And, you know, even something as simple as those capsules uh, that had the names of the figures on them, uh, which is what they do. He does with some of his, his patches, you know, just getting a, you know, getting one of those. And I think I got Imperial snow trooper and uh, uh, oh, it just really was nice. And it kind of takes you back. And I think that's, that's a good segue into tonight's conversation. And uh, I really hope you get, something out of it. Uh, I enjoy talking with him as a good story and uh, I will catch you on the other side. 
We're in attack position now, sir. Hold here. We're not going to attack. I have my orders from the Emperor himself. He has something special planned for him. We only need to keep him from escaping. Where was that picture taken at? The one that's in your profile pic of the uh, Instagram. Uh, that was at Celebration Chicago. That, I think that's me standing in front of the X-Wing card back. Oh, wow. Holding the X-Wing helmet. Is that what? the picture you're looking at? Yes. Okay. Yeah, at the Hasbro booth, they had the big card back that you could pose in front of, and at the time, they were showing off the new Black Series X-Wing helmet and, and letting you demo it, so they would let you hold it and do your picture in front of the card back. And so that's, that's cool. That's where it's from. What days were you up here for Celebration? Uh, the whole gamut. I oh. did, uh, when, when I do Celebration, I do Celebration. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I start, it and, I start it and finish it, so... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, um, where is home? Uh, I'm in Lakeland, Florida. Okay. So I'm like halfway between Orlando and Tampa. Okay. Yeah, we moved up here from St. Pete. Um, I'm not originally a Floridian. Um, we were down there for maybe a couple years, a couple, three years, um, over a period of. So I'm a little familiar with the area. Um, where are you? Uh, in Chicagoland, in one of the suburbs. Oh, okay, you're in Chicago, okay. Yeah, that's why when we went yeah. to uh, Celebration, uh, our, I, I'd kind of gone back and forth, and I think when I finally made up my mind, I got like a pass for the one day for that Monday. And so I had eight glorious hours uh, at Celebration. And uh, mm. it's kind of where the podcast kind of got its start. But I mean, like, it was, it's a lot to take in, isn't it? It is, it is. And by the end of doing the whole four or five days like this past one i think they did five days mm -hmm. it, it it was it was total frazzle I, I i even said it on like day two or three it's like you know what i hope they don't do a five day again that four is four is good three is probably perfect if they just did like a friday saturday sunday but then sometimes i think they then i think they started running it from thursday to monday and it is so much it is overload and sometimes less is more <laughs> Did you go up there just purely as more fan, or did you were yeah. you going up there in with, with the the storefront? How how did that work out? No, I was just a fan. The storefront has really just started to grow really much in the last year and a half uh, with what I'm doing on Etsy and eBay. Um, so I I really on this past trip up to Chicago tried to get there and tried to be a little more proactive in putting myself out there uh, mm -hmm. and getting people to see my stuff and know who I was. Uh, but prior to that, I just have always gone as a fan. Um, <clears throat> a couple years ago, I got into the droid building. So I'm, I'm also with the droid builders. So I would always put in and volunteer a couple of shifts each day uh, at the event to be uh, part of the droid builder group and in the room there with the droid builders. So that was another aspect of going that just developed in the last two celebrations. I was active with them when they were here, and the last one in Orlando, and then this one in Chicago. How many of them have you been to overall as far as celebrations? I have been to all of them with the exception of the Los Angeles one years ago and the Europe. I think there's been one or two in Europe. I have not gone to the Europe ones. Oh, wow. So I think there's probably like four or five under my belt. Jeez. Definitely the ones here in Orlando because it was right in my own backyard, but... Uh, I know there's uh, the one in Anaheim recently, uh, the first Anaheim I didn't get to, but uh, this upcoming one I've already got the tickets for, and they're rolling over for whenever we do do it. So, Yeah, I think when uh, tickets go back in, I think a friend of mine had gotten tickets to 
two of the days, I think, like a Thursday and a Sunday, something like that. And then, but we ended up, I just asked him to, you know, you should probably just refund your tickets. And then I think when, you know, when that very small window for those come up again, um, I will try to get in probably as many days as I can. And then just, you know, I, I, I think it's the same way, you know, when you're planning something like that, you know, like what comes first for you? Like, um, hotel or flights? <laughs> uh, uh, I really don't know. Honestly, I, I think hotel probably before, before flight. I really don't re quite remember how I did it, but, uh, I kind of monitor both of those things. I think hotel was a little more important. Um, but I don't know the chicken or the egg you got to get there and then when you get there you got to stay somewhere so i guess probably finding uh some a place to crash is probably should probably be secondary but i, I don't really know how i <laughs> i just kind of wing it getting getting the tickets became more of a challenge this go around as each one has got as as i've gotten involved with each one and, and gone to all of them i'm just amazed how each time it gets those tickets sell faster and faster every time they go up it used to be they'd be up for months when they, right. you know, several celebrations ago, you had you had weeks and months to decide, you know, when you were going to pull the trigger on getting your ticket. And to this last go around, it was less than a day, I think, and the, the passes were sold out. So I was it's gotten crazy. As you go, as you go on as as the as the storefront and as you kind of do this longer, does it put more pressure on you when when the cons resume? to focus more on the business side or does it take away from you just kind of being able to kind of roam roam the floors and do as you please do you always feel that oh no I'm, back I'm, your head? I'm no i'm totally roam the floor and do as i please and uh you know i'll i'll carry a backpack with some patches on it or a jacket with some patches on it and try to put myself out there but it's not my goal i'm really just trying to stay under the radar as i have been uh it's been it's been growing and i'm 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 hopeful it grows but i'm also fearful that it grows it, it's a very fan-based thing there's a lot of us out there on etsy doing our own thing with something that we know and love but we don't own right. so there's a there's a very murky area that i'm treading into a swamp and and hopefully it's it's something that that the powers that be embrace us for being fans and i just i want to keep doing what I do, but if and when the time comes, it may all come to a screeching halt and I just may have to go back to being a fan again. So I, I, I walk the cons and do, do it to have a great time. And if I can be seen and, and people connect, it's great, but I'm, I'm definitely not out there in the forefront to push a business or an agenda. Right. Right. I think one of the mo one of the more fascinating things I saw at Celebration Chicago when I was str strolling up is there was that room where there was the big pin and patch swap, and I that's where I think I kind of kind of opened up you know like I I I'd had a bunch of my pins and, and I was kind of swapping but when you saw like at the level it was happening in that room all the different types and people were putting together different puzzle patches and things like that. You know, that's when you kind of start to, you know, you, what do they say? Is you take your first step into a larger <coughs> world. Um, can you kind of run me back as far as, like, how the idea for the patches and the, and the stickers came about? That is very easy, and that goes back probably four celebrations ago. I was doing the floor and having great fun and discovered the puzzle patches like you just mentioned, and that was exactly how it all started because 
I was not a patch person at all. I thought the patch puzzles were really cool looking. It got infectious to go from one booth to a next to try to play the games and win the piece of the puzzle patch. And then there were other bigger uh, fan groups that were sponsoring pieces of puzzle patches. So you'd have to you'd have to come back and catch the right person who's sponsoring this piece or this character. Uh, like they were doing carry. I think the Ohio Club was doing the carry mm -hmm. case. Uh, figure set so you'd have to catch the right person who was the Han Hoth figure or the R2-D2 figure you had to get the right people and then you had to have something to trade with and so I got there on that first one and I I had nothing I was not a patch person I had nothing to I had no not in Moolah to trade <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so it after you know I, I muddled through and I made my made made contacts and made people and talked and schmoozed and swapped and got got things somehow i'd go to other tables and win duplicate patches and then i'd have patches to trade and so i i, I learned on the fly on that first celebration told myself the next go around this is fun i want to do it i need a patch so my very first venture was to go online and see how do you get into patch having a patch made so i found a company and just reached out and it's been the company i've been with ever since they did a great job i just gave them the logo for the vintage collection uh logo and figured i'm a fan uh, my passion all the way is vintage kenner the packaging the logos the mail away offers all of that from growing up uh, as a kid so i took that logo had a patch made said now i've got a patch that no one else has made that i was aware of and i had something to trade with and it kind of grew from there i think before the next convention uh it was still so far off i thought wow this looks cool you know the the toy logos would look cool, like the Empire Strikes Back one or the Return of the Jedi toy logo would look great. So I think I ventured into one or two of those. Um, and then it wasn't too long the Toy Fair hit that the HasLab was introduced and the Barge was introduced. And on JediTempleArchives.com, they, they had hooked up with a design a graphics designer named Jonathan from overseas and I reached out to him and he had created a logo for their website uh, that said that was in during the promotion during the push period to back the barge and I thought that looked really cool I said you know that would really kind of, I'm thinking that could make a great patch idea so I reached out to him directly and then we teamed up and he gave his blessing and gave me I backed the barge in a, in a digital mm. format that I could take and have a patch made. And that was the first big patch that started things in a commercial direction to sell and get out to the fans. Um, and it kind of snowballed from there. Then I wanted to do the other logos from the other movies. I loved the little mail away offers that sucked me into a new different direction. And it all started to roll from there. But really I have to give, give kudos where they belong and it's to Jonathan He's overseas. He's in Ireland now, and we've been we we are really close in what we do creatively, but we have never met, and I have never seen his face. Oh wow! <laughs> I always ask him for a picture. I never get it. He ne he says he hates cameras. He hates taking his picture. I tell him I swear he must be on the world's most wanted <laughs> list because <laughs> I have never seen his face. Uh, we don't even talk on the phone. We do everything via WhatsApp, uh, text messaging, email, and Instagram. Uh, and uh, it's it's great. It's a great collaboration. I've I've asked a lot of him. The more intricate graphic 
design work, the drawings are, are all his. Uh, he's blessed me with giving me the freedom to take it and run with it, and I do, and I, I run marathons with it. <laughs> I'll take his artwork and make changes to it now because I've, so I then realized that there's a world of graphic art out there that I needed to learn. So I, as part of uh, my growth, I started taking graphics design class online to learn the Adobe Illustrator programs. Mm -hmm. And so I got into the basics and it's grown over the last year for me. I've learned a lot more so I I've, can take some of what he does and expand on it. Uh, like I took his, he did the beautiful design by duplicating the free Boba Fett mail away offer. And his artwork just came out stellar. But it was easy once you had the with the vector art file right. to click on things and change colors. And it was so easy to turn Boba Fett into the Mandalorian. So things grew from there and I could make changes and tweak. And so I'm, I'm loving that aspect of it. He's given me the ability and the freedom to take his work and run with it. And I continue to ask of him and ask of him. And he when he can fit it into his schedule, he's very generous and giving and. I try to be as generous and give back as I can, and uh, I pick up things and toys and whatever I know he might want that he can't get or doesn't have there and have it sent over, and I'm surprised, I told him I was surprising, but of course I already told him uh, back before Christmas, but I got on, got online and went through Zappy and uh, have uh, the Razor Crest coming his way. Uh, nice. to drop on his doorstep when we all get ours he'll be getting his he's strictly original trilogy but he's also very much into the three and three quarter inch so who wouldn't love having a razor crest drop on their doorstep even if it's not their niche <laughs> in the collector market it's so he i sent them some mandalorian figures this year for christmas told them you might need these next year <laughs> so it'll drop on his doorstep and I'll, I'll get big smiles from him i might even get a picture who knows <laughs> Well, and that's the thing. When I looked back, you know, because um, we're probably not that far apart in age, and I remember, you know, I held on to those card backs for a long time after I got the figs, you know, when I was like seven or eight. And I held on to them, and I don't know why at one point, you know, I had to make the decision to pitch them, and this was obviously before anyone realized what you really should be doing, which is holding on to them for dear life. But I know, mm -hmm. you know, when I go, when I seen your, your storefront on you know, on Instagram and saw it and, you know, I, I remember getting that first package and I think I got, I think I got the, the sticker pack that had, it was a cluster of the, you know, of the giveaways. And, you know, it's one of those where I didn't get a chance to do the giveaways, you know, for that batch. I was able to do it with some of the micro collection stuff with another promotion through the, uh, through the uh, C3PO serial. But, you know, to see these and see them together, you know, it was, it was something where, you know, you go on eBay and you pretty much figure out like, well, I, there's some things I'm not getting back. <laughs> you know, there's some things that just, you know, unless you really want to start dropping in some coin. So when you get when you get some of these you know patches and stickers that that I've seen and you kind of look like it's amazing because I'm seeing really I'm kind of seeing a lot of them again really for the first time where you forget some of what was in there or how it looked, um, and even just recently. Um, uh, you know, in looking, and I think it was the, it was the Palatoy that it was the Palatoy one that I didn't realize the the deal with Palatoy until I started getting doing this stuff where you start finding out that there was different brands and companies, 
And I was like, after, you know, talking with, you know, Mark Newbold and some people in, in the UK and finding out about that. And, you know, just, just having that alone, that, that was just, it was like, it was so unique and different. Um, and then I added, cause I was like, well, I can't just leave one thing in my cart. I've got to add something else. And I hemmed and hawed and went back and forth. And that's when I added the, the, uh, the Imperial Stormtrooper. And one thing that, you know, it's just picking up those details of the card back, you know, when you're looking at it, just the little, the little, you know, the little capsule, and it says, you know, in parentheses, it says Hoth Battle Gear. And I had this figure. That was one of the things, like, when I was choosing, like, I, I want to get one that I had. I may end up getting, you know, like, maybe some that I don't. Or I'm, I'm looking at my bag now and how I can decorate it with some of these patches. But when you look at it and it's just so close, you're like, this is it. You know, it just reminds me, like, I don't have that card back anymore. But this is such a great, it's, it's such a great thing to have just as, as a great reminder of, you know, when you had it and you're pulling that that toy out of that card back. I, I don't know if it's the same for you when you look at them, you know, I know you see yeah. them over and over again, but you know, what, what do you feel like when you see these when, when their final form as patches coming out? Oh, well, it's nervous. It's nerve wracking. Cause you, you sink the money in. you, you got, you gotta, you gotta plunk in. I, I gotta go for at least 200 pieces on any piece to make it, you know, profitable. Otherwise you're, the less you make, the more they cost. So if you can right. get a find a sweet spot uh, where you can get enough of them in one shot and one purchase, and then you then you sit on them for several years as they slowly trickle out and sell, and you see you see that you you recoup your costs for what you've invested in it. Um, so sometimes it's nerve wracking. Nine out of ten come back, and I'm very pleased with the results. Uh, when I do it with them, I send them a digital image. They send me a mock-up that shows the layout and the size, the dimension, the colors they're going to use. Uh, and then they do a physical sample, which they scan then and send a physical, a picture of, of the physical sample that they have. I never actually hold the sample, but I see it online. Uh, and for the most part, that's where it gets tricky. Sometimes we go back and forth four and five times with, with redo this, redo that. It, this looks sloppy. This looks messy. So it, it's tough to get it where it looks good, where you you have to give up some artistry in the translation from digital to embroidery. Uh, right. But for the most part, it comes out right. But sometimes there've been a few misses where I've had to actually say, you know what, this this is this is not the way you this is not what you showed me in the sample. Sometimes the embroidery uh, when they do a full area stitch, if there's black behind it, like like I insist on them using a black base material for the uh, for the the capsules because you can see the side of it, you can see the edge. So if they were to use a color like for the red for the stormtrooper, if they went with red because it was a more prominent color, you'd see red around the edge of the patch, which I don't. I want it to be black. So in doing that, if they use black behind, sometimes the stitching is gappy. And suddenly you'll see spacing in between the stitching and you can see through and see the black. So there were there were one or two orders that came in that were bad because the color was it was a lighter yellow color and you could see through it. So but they were great about it. They said, you know what, this you're right. The sample we sent, the stitching was much tighter than the result that we sent you. So they replaced and they just, they sent them. They redid it, sent them out to me. So that's why I've, I've been loyal to this one particular company. They're called the Studio and they do great work there. Uh, I guess 
in cyberspace, they're based in California, but everything goes overseas for production. So I'm, I'm really dealing with people online overseas uh, for the end result. But they've been fantastic. They replaced whatever didn't come out right. It, it only happened two or three times. But So in that respect, I'm a little nervous when I, I know that FedEx is bringing the package and I'm opening the packages like, is it going to be right or is it going to be wrong? But most of the times it's right and it looks great and it's really, really cool to to. to pull out the pack and see 200 of one of the designs and hold it in your hand to know that it, it's done and you had it in your head all this time that you wanted it to look right and now it is right just takes a lot of back and forth on uh, approvals before you go to production on it to get it to look right you um you were talking about you know uh, of the last year or so you know working or getting yourself more um, educated on graphic design and, and that and the freedom that that allows you to do, but as far as like learning learning the art of patches, you know, it sounds also like you're saying that there's been a lot of was there a lot of trial and error, and then you know, did it make it even like when you're trying to go from making these to maybe do trading for yourself, but now you're getting into like kind of this quasi business was you know. How much more about the patch world did you have to really, I mean, did you have to kind of ingest in order to kind of make this as good of a go as you could? Zero, honestly. The, the Creating the graphic was the main thing for me. Once, once you have the image and you find the right company like I have, it's just sending them the image and they handle that aspect of it. I have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. I have no idea what the inside of their factory looks like and how they actually build and create the patch that I get in the end. Uh, they they may just I've learned over the over time like with with fonts and getting the lettering for the stormtrooper you know you have to be aware of thicknesses if if, it, if a line or or something is too thin it's just going to be a running a single running stitch line and then it's going to come a, could come across way too skinny so you have to sometimes I've had to send artwork back and forth to them where I've beefed up the the thickness of the lettering to make it thicker so that it looks more clean and solid in a patch form oh, yeah. if you go too small it looks sloppy so sometimes you have to give up detail what have you had to learn as far as operating a you know etsy or a storefront as and and trying to keep this um keep this i guess contained to it, it what it is I, this is not a full time for you correct no 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 i'm i'm full time uh, full-time working uh, here in Central Florida at Disney World. So I'm, I have my, th this has grown and has taken a lot of time after the work hours to, you know, accommodate uh, my creativity and dealing with the, the back and forth with the patch place during a production of when something's being produced. Uh, I can't say I really am that business savvy at all. It's, I'm really just winging it. <laughs> I'm having fun with it. I try to keep the prices uh low i try to always make it free shipping i don't want to get to a point where i'm putting too high a price on things i want it to be fan based i want the fans to love it and be able to get their hands on it uh i've looked out there on etsy and some of the other places i i i think a lot of people tend to be a little high on the price on things then you factor in shipping and things i think well you know if if i if i if i make a patch and i can make a buck on a patch Maybe just let it go and make it make it a buck price it a buck higher, take in my fees and things and take it all into account, but don't 
don't price yourself too high. I try to keep it all on the low end and hope for the best. What has um, what has been the response uh, that you have gotten, or do you have people reaching out? What, what kind of uh, what kind of feedback do you get on these? I've gotten really good feedback. I I just with this whole thing reached out and dabbled into Instagram. Uh, I just turned fifty two. <laughs> to look at the year again. I just turned 52, so I'm not very savvy at all with social media. I, I'm really not even... I dabbled lightly into Facebook, uh, but honestly, of social media platforms, Facebook is venomous. Nasty. There's a lot of hate, and people just will will just... Without even thinking, they'll throw something out there negative, so I don't even... I just kind of stay away. I can't even get sucked into Facebook. I found Instagram to be very friendly and warm. I, it's, it's simpler, I think. It's a picture, and what I'm doing is picture-based, so put a picture out there, a few words to describe it, uh, and I think... I, I, I can't really recall getting any negative. Everybody's always been positive, and I'm slowly trying to grow it. Uh, my followers are, I'm, I think I just crossed 1,500 uh, recently for followers. I see people out there with thousands of followers, so it's like, wow, you know, I, I got a long <laughs> way to go. <laughs> but uh, little things like this, like a podcast, anything that can kind of put me out there, maybe it'll bring a few more followers my way, and people will see what I do. And But it's everything you got, you asked about what I've response, it's all been positive. I've not gotten any negative at all. Everybody who likes it, either you like this thing and know what it is. If you know it and like it, you tend to really like it. Uh, if, if it's not something you even recognize or understand, you just scroll right by it and you don't hear from them anyway. So, <laughs> One of the things I noticed in looking through that Instagram, uh, Instagram page is it looks like you have a fairly nice collection of uh, Star Wars stuff. Um, where did that start? Yeah, I'm a crazy fan. Where did that start? Uh, or when I, did that start? Uh, as soon as I had an allowance. <laughs> it goes It goes back to when I was a kid. Uh, so Star Wars hit in 77. I was eight years old. So uh, it hit that summer. I think it was probably September when mom and dad finally had heard enough about what this Star Wars phenomenon was and finally took uh, my sister and I to the movie theater to see it. I had already been kind of caught up in the, the pop culture of it and the toys before I actually got to a theater and saw the movie. So uh, I I just started right away with the figures, the, the toys, when they all started to hit that Christmas in 78, uh, or that following year when, when the figures started to hit, I guess the figures came in 78. I just started buying the figures, kept my card back, so I'd take the figures off and keep the card, and I'd buy the toys and keep the box and put it back in the box when I was done playing with it, or... I'd set up little scenes on my dresser as a kid. It, it, so, and it just has grown from there because if you look at some of the pictures I've posted, it's I try to stay focused more. Now Now that you have to kind of find a niche, I do try to stay focused on the, the vintage collection style four-inch figure scale. It's hard not to get sucked into the world of the Black Series figures. Some of them are so nice. I, I did keep did fall into it and collected, but just haven't really put any of it out and finally purged myself recently of the sequel trilogy black series stuff because uh, i just figured i've got to find a focus so i'm trying to stay focused uh on prequel original trilogy mandalorian sequel trilogy just since it didn't didn't pull me in the, there's no passion for me there it's like what i'm just it's easy to draw the line there for me 
when it comes to product. Uh, but then I also love the, the prop replicas, the helmets and things like that. There was a dry period back in the 90s where there was not a lot of product in the toy area. So some of it was more, uh, I think back at the time was Master Replicas. They first started doing some of the prop replicas and helmets. It was easy to get started into that. And I followed that. And there's lots of little niches. You got your sideshow stuff that you can get pulled in on and the little mini bus that General Giants do. So I kind of, if I bought a helmet and there was a bust that I could display with it nicely, it kind of, that kind of made a, made a format for me to go with for a display purpose. So, but, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to draw the line. It's hard to <laughs> put the break on a collection, but I'm having to do it. I'm also at the point where my husband tells me, he's like, what are you, where, what are you going to do with all this stuff? Or, what, or if you go first, what am I going to do with all this stuff? I said, I know it. I know what you're going to do with it. You're going to have a dollar sale, everything a dollar. <laughs> and he laughs and says, that's exactly what he's going to do. Cause he, he, it doesn't mean the same thing that it does to me, but he's, he's overwhelmed at the prospects. Like, God, if you go first, I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I said, I know I, I need to start purging and getting rid of it and thinning it down myself. But so much of it is, has been so produced that you can't really say there's a huge market out there for you to get what you got out of it. I mean, people thought they could retire and things on it, but you're not. <laughs> you're not going to retire on this stuff. You hope that you got some of the key pieces that people will want later, but you wind up having a lot of stuff that probably are worth less now than what you bought it for. I think that's the, you know, that that's sort of what's <clears throat> gone, what's on every collector's mind is that you know everybody sees these amazing collections everybody has and you know it's two things it's very hard you know you have to really draw the line sometimes but then yeah I've had that conversation you know with family members going you know this this is estate sale stuff and then this is the thing that you probably want to keep an eye on that you could probably if you if you sell it you could probably make a little bit and uh you know it's almost like you have to kind of categorize you're like all right yeah, this is purely just personal. This just means this, but you know, this one, you know, don't don't make it don't make it hard on yourself. Make it it's like throw that out there. That'll get you a couple of bucks, and then that way you, know, you have a nice get a nice bottle of wine when it's all done and cleared out. Um, yeah, it's it's almost like you know. I think we had all this. We had a nice collection. We probably had some put out, and then like you said, you put it in the box for a while during the during that that dry patch and i think you know sometimes now it feels like sometimes you want to bring stuff out or you have to archive some things and it kind of defeats the purpose i I think a collection can get too big where you go how much more can i how much more can i ingest before this really becomes like i'm just you know crawling all all around in it um i wanted to ask you were talking about the droid builders when did you first kind of get involved there and and uh what's kind of your arc on it you just are, are you a builder yeah, so I'm a builder. I I think I got sucked in back uh, in the first celebration in Orlando. Let's see, it's 2021 now. I kind of forget my timeline, but I've, I've been kind of, uh, I think I got in around 2012. And like most things, when I get into something new, it becomes a passion and consumes me. And it kind of consumed me for about three years during the build process to get it to get built and uh and it 
it over again it overtook you know most people would have just built one but i built several because i liked the different colors i liked the variety i liked the different domes so i built several and i kind of got myself to a point where i built and have the physical droid assembled and together and in the house and then i kind of burned out to where i didn't know the electronics end of it so i have several astromechs that are built and complete and they look like they could come alive at any minute but it's been five years that they've been sitting there and they aren't coming alive anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole electronics inside that you have to know and, and I'm not electronically minded and this whole patch thing now has come along, my graphics design work that I'm now kind of focused into. So I don't see a time where I'll be taking a droid out to a convention and having him remote control because I don't have him motorized and operational. So I just love the look of looking over in the corner and knowing I have I have a, a an R two D two, and you know I did I did an R two, I did a white and red one, I did a a, a full red and black with a R five dome and R four dome. So I like the variety of the of the universe that they've created and how you can just change colors on things and make it a completely different entity. But uh, so I love love the whole droid building thing. It, it consumed me for the time that it did, but uh, I can't say that it's something I pursue daily now. I'm off on a new tangent. Off and, on a new tangent. What yeah, were, when that dollar sale comes along. <laughs> <laughs> the last question on those on those droids, are they to scale? Or yeah, how big they're are they? One one scale. Oh my heavens. They're what, full size. Full size, yeah. And what's so the when I have one when I have it finished it well, if they're again in the droid builder world, you can go you can do anything you want. I most of mine were metal. So I'd, I wanted the, the feel and the touch of metal of aluminum. So they they are there's a, there's some fiberglass components to the R5 and the R4 domes because uh, they were fiberglass poured and molded, um, whereas the R2 domes are a metal because I wanted the cool touch of metal to the dome and have the look of the 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 brushed finish of the chrome. Uh, so yeah, everything's one scale one one scale. And I mean, some of the frames on two of them uh, are wood frames and then wrapped with the aluminum skin and material. That was a, I learned so many things doing the droid building because I learned how to work with wood and thing and metal and how to finish metal and how to paint metal and how to wet sand paint and wet sand and repaint and wet sand and repaint. <laughs> <laughs> to get a finish the way you want it, it's not just spray it and it's done. You have to spray it. You, there's the imperfection. You have to build up the layers of the color. You have to wet sand it down. And then there's so many steps and things that you learn as you go into it that it's not quite as an easy process. But it, if you're there and want to do it right, you learn something new. And I learned a lot of new things. Some of the leg materials for the legs to the droids, some are metal. And they, in the early days, before the metal ones were available, you could make them out of layering wood, Bondo puttying the sides, sanding it down nice and getting nice crisp edges. And so I became a master at handling the wood and the Bondo and using a block and getting nice flat surfaces rather than sanding by hand where you get imperfections and rounded edges. You use a block, you get a nice crisp edge. You get it to the way you want it. Then you start the paint process and paint and sand and paint and sand and by the time the legs were done, they looked like they could have been metal underneath. They were so oh, sharp wow. and crisp and smooth that it, it it was amazing to me that I could have built that with my hands. And uh, it's a very satisfying accomplishment. So it's like it's another thing. It sits in the corner. 
I love looking at it and I put so much time and work into it. It's like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to sell it. I, you know how many hours I put into making that? And it's just another thing in the house that collects dust. I hate to say it, but <laughs> that's the life of a collector. I, 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 you know, there's lots of things you could say around here that I would, that, you know, my wife would also say, you know, you could, you could clean every now and then I don't know if I'd have a problem with dusting off R2 every now and then if I had a full-scale R2. I think it'd be... Yeah, no, no it's, it's one of the easier things to dust. <laughs> Getting into a cabinet with an action figure scene, forget that. That's, that's, where, that's where the nightmare starts. The, um, there has to have been a pretty healthy community as far as the droid builders are as well. It's the ones I haven't had a chance to talk to that much, but uh, it just seems like there has to be, you know, to to be able to swap, you know, to schematics or to, to find out tips and tricks uh, and just to It's su- the best group I had ever really, uh, that I'd ever really gotten in touch with. I mean, you meet people when you're collecting toys and things, but the R2 builders were a whole different mix. They were generous and giving and open about plans and dimensions and ideas and suggestions and here's what i did that didn't work don't do it here's what i did that worked try this uh it's all internet based on the web at astromech.net uh with the with their posting boards and things and then you you meet and develop friends that you then reach out to on email directly and uh and i i still have several people that i'm in touch with just then my only relation with them was was building the droid but we still continue you know, contact and know know about each other's lives and families, and they they've been a very very giving and open group. I've heard some people say opposite things about other groups, the costuming groups and cosplay groups, and that if things aren't exactly if if there's one thing off, then you don't make it, you don't make the cut. That's not authentic. There's none of that judgment in the in the R two builders. I mean, it's a it's a huge universe with astromechs of all kinds shapes and sizes out there and you can't have one that's not right there they all have a function in the galaxy would you say somewhat of the same or do you do you have conversations with you know fellow uh, patch and pin makers you know i i i I think when you're on instagram a bit you kind of tend to see tend to see some of the same over and over again. I know at Celebration I saw a couple others. And, you know, after a while it's kind of nice because it's like these this brand recognition where you start saying, like, oh, my, I see this and this. Do you have any communication with other folks that do kind of similar work? There's several that I've reached out to on Instagram, several that I've met uh, through Celebration. Um, they're all very nice. Very, They've been very suggestive and, and recommending certain companies that they've used for this or that. Uh, whether it be a, a, a pin, like I ventured out, I dabbled into pins, taking some of my things and having some pins made. Uh, commercially, it didn't really fly for me, so I'm sitting on some pins that haven't really gone anywhere for me. Hopefully, I get rid of them eventually. But uh, it was it was a new learning process of how to how to have a pin made. So I had some suggestions there from some people. They've all been everyone who I've reached out to have been very very nice in in giving me ideas of do's and do nots and one of the other things that I really loved was the, and I, I, I think I missed getting in on this by a, a few weeks. Otherwise, I would have been all over it. Uh, the Merry Christmas uh, envelope and cards I thought were such a great idea because I was, as I was th- sitting there thinking of, of putting something together, if I had seen this in, in, the, in, in time to get it in the turnaround, I just thought it was a brilliant idea. 
uh, you know, because you know, we all have, you know, this, this community that we're in, this larger one, we all have people that would go like, oh man, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an easy first class stamp right there. And I think someone get a kick out of it. The um, was this the this was was this the first year you done it, or had you done it previously? Yeah. No, this was the first year. Uh, again, this was uh, this is another kudos to Jonathan. Uh, he actually had created the graphic and posted it on his Instagram page uh, Christmas a year ago as a uh, a quick Merry Christmas post. I was like, oh my God, I love the artwork. I'm like you know I want this artwork, you know I want to take this and run with it. And he says, I know. He says, I, I got it the first year, you can have it the second year. <laughs> so and so this really, this was a, a labor of passion during the pandemic for me because uh, when everything shut down and we were all housebound back in March, that's where all this work came into play. I started in March, I used his artwork, I expanded upon it a little, created the patchwork, um, uh, then took what I was learning graphically and created and did the cards as well. Then it, it took me into the whole realm of printing. Um, I'd already dabbled in it with the postcards. I, I, I have a postcard that I try to upgrade every year with my with what is current for me in the store. Uh, so every, every time someone makes a purchase, the card is in the envelope with the patch kind of for self-promotion. So the Christmas card went to the same print place. Uh, and I created uh, created what I wanted to do for a, a Christmas greeting to use the patch. Initially, it was all, in my opinion, was, or in my initial thoughts, were to make this a giveaway to my regular customers. So there were about 200 people that all got these as a Christ Merry Christmas thank you from me uh, at the beginning of the season. And then I had more, I had enough printed to have extras on the side to sell uh, on the shop. And so this was the first year I did it. Um, they were up on the site. I, I honestly, I kind of had thought they might sell better than they did. So unfortunately, I hate to say it, but the 2020 edition that I had printed on the back, I wish I had not put 2020 edition <laughs> on the back, only because it's going to be the same one available next year at Christmas. Because <laughs> I'm still sitting on enough that didn't sell this year. So the card will, the card and patch will be back next year uh, at Christmas. I just figured it wasn't seasonal, so I pulled them off the Etsy site for or the uh, eBay store and. Once the the sell cycle ends before they hit me with another charge for another cycle, I'll just pull it off and repost them back at Christmas next year. Uh, I don't know. I guess I could put some thought into something fresh and new for 2021. But while I'm sitting on stock from 2020, <laughs> I figure maybe I'll skip a year and see if I can purge this first, and I'll create something new for 2022 Christmas. No, that sounds that sounds like a smart uh, smart business decision right there. This would be. Um... <laughs> Now, as far as the capsules are concerned, and I was just kind of, I was thinking like, how many, do, do you have the whole run of capsules or is this something like, how did, you know, do you have no, them in sections? I just randomly, what, what passion hits me at the moment when I got started, I kind of picked six at random to make a, a wave one. And then I, oh, okay, I could, I could easily do six more wave two and. Uh, currently wave five, just, I think I just listed and wave six is, uh, actually in the hands of FedEx right now on, on their way to the U S. So I have a couple more that are coming. Uh, so I have, I think I have a total of six waves where I do six to a wave, uh, just to 
so I'm not doing one-offs here, one-off there. I try right, to do right. six at a time so I can kind of group things. And people tend to want to buy more of a, of a group rather than one at a time. Though, though they all sell, you know, singly one at a time here and there, it's easier to sell them as, as groups of six. So this next round that's coming, I have uh, I combine the, the, the Child Capsule and Grogu. Because we know we have a card coming and Kenner's shown through the Child... I'm advocating now that he has a name, let's make him Grogu. So I did a capsule, the child, and the same capsule saying Grogu, and I'm just going to put those two together to sell as a, a pair. Uh, they're part of the next wave that's coming. So probably next week, once they're in hand and I scan them, I'll get my graphics up and I'll have another wave up on the store for the capsules. So they just kind of come and go, whatever whatever name seems to hit me at the moment that I think. <laughs> and I try to keep the colors. I try to mix up the colors so that I'm not too heavy on any one background color. You know, I love the red. The red is just great, but they didn't do a whole lot with red. I love that Stormtrooper and the R5-D4 because they use the bright red. Mm-hmm. But I try to keep, keep the colors mixed up so that it's not too green, blue, or yellow heavy. Yeah, it does seem to be like a nice like range of, of colors in there. Uh, now, obviously, you have a lot of the the product that you know you have to find you know room for as far as like for the Etsy site. But do you have a do you have a set of them set aside for yourself? At you know, I'm going on the collector side, not necessarily on the business side. That you have uh-huh. them like on a display, maybe under like a some kind of plastic or glass, so you can see all your patches. I should. I absolutely <laughs> should, but I don't. Uh, I mean, I know that I've not sold out of any one patch, so I know that I know that I'm not out of a, of one of my own creations. I know I have them all here. If at any time I'm ready to do it, I would like to, you know, potentially maybe put them all against the black felt in a frame setting. But I haven't done it because it just keeps growing. It's like you know, I, I would get it done, and then I'd and then I'd create two more. I'd be like, oh. Well, now these two don't fit. No, so, <laughs> I mean, I guess I could have broke it down and maybe do a frame for each year and maybe let it grow that way. But no, it's one of those things in my head. I tell myself, I'll, I'm going to do it. It's on the to-do list. I was about to say the same thing with the stickers. And I was lucky enough that, you know, at least I think I'm going to have to get a new computer this year because I've ran out of space for stickers. Now it's just a layers of these. And then uh, you know, layered I, effect. The layer effect. And, you know, I, I was, I remember going back with the Imperial Stormtrooper one, I was looking and put on the bag. I'm like, as soon as I put the first one on the bag, it's going to be open season. It won't take long before the entire bag, I think, would be filled. I think it's either, you know, but I'm trying to find that one. I think the R5, I think if I got an R5 one, um, I, I think that would fit it. Because it's one of those where it's almost like you kind of like, I want something there that Someone might not see, but if they see it, if someone, you know, someone gets it, they'll see it right away. Otherwise, you know, you kind of want that nice sort of subtle one. And I think that's even what I think I like more about the Palatoy is because it's, at least on this side, it's not as well known. Um, Mm. But it does feel like, you know, by having the Palatoy patch, it feels like I have a little bit of a piece of that, which is, like I said, it goes back to it really hits. And, uh, you know, I I keep smiling every time I... uh, I see this. I see the the stormtrooper patch just be, just because like when you're you know when you look and you see how it that when they do have the parentheses where they had variants of the character and they had the different outfits you know like Bespin this or that and then you start to go you know it, it's it, you go back you think about the decisions that were made when they were trying to put together this toy and why they had to do that you know sometimes you probably ask yourself when you're looking at this like why did they decide to put this here how why did they decide to make this particular you know, this particular sticker or this offer, why did you use this fig? 
Um, I, I know when I'm looking at some of these, and I, I'm, I was going to ask, just as an aside, uh, I'm going to derail my own train of thought. Did you ever get in on any of the special offers? Every single one of them. Ah, oh, you kill them. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I was eight when Star Wars came out, so I was at the perfect age. Every time there was a new figure offer, I was cutting those out of my card backs, and I was waiting what seemed like an eternity for, by the mailbox to, for that figure to show up, and... Yeah, so I had the got the free Boba Fett, the Forlom, the Admiral Akbar, the Nine Num. I think I think I take that back. I didn't get them all because I think I also am a victim of that dreaded 1984, where I was teenager and mm -hmm. adolescence was hitting, and I kind of stopped the toy collecting. So I don't think I got the Anakin mail away figure. I think I fell off the wagon there just before Power of the Force, so I never was a didn't finish my vintage collection of figures with the Power of the Force line. I fell off there somewhere with the Return of the Jedi figures. I was too I was too grown up to continue playing <laughs> with toys at the time. So yeah, now I keep kicking myself because you know by the time you know I was thirteen for Return of the Jedi, <clears> and <throat> I know that those things would still be on the shelf. You know as I was in high school, and I'm like, if I just would have picked up one or two, put it in a box, you know, I think everybody has this, this fantasy they have with themselves going, if you just would put it, took it, not open it, put it in a box, um, it would be sure, it would be sure fun to look at now. Um, but that's what I... Yeah, I love, I love to look at those pictures you see on Google sometimes of the, of the old 1980s toy uh, aisles, oh. where you just see s stacks of X-Wings and the Millennium Falcon boxes and the Death Star PlayStation boxes on the shelf. And a toy aisle was exclusively Star Wars back in that day, whereas now it's relegated to a section of an aisle and it's nowhere near the grandness that it was that we grew up with. I can remember going into Caldor and Barker's and Zare and seeing stacks of the 12-inch figures on the top shelf going up into the rafters at Christmas time. And then they'd be on clearance after Christmas and now they're worth hundreds of pieces. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking you look at those catalog, you look at those shelves now, and you're like, you know what? For a, a hundred, couple hundred bucks, I could clear this out. You know, you, that's where you could retire from. If you, you know, there's the people that go back that think I'm going to get the time machine, go back and cure ills in history, and then there's the idiots like me to go back and go, could I just go to a Sears <laughs> toy aisle? Yeah. Give me two minutes yes. in 1985, and I, that's all I need. I need two minutes at that shelf. Yeah. I know exactly what I need to get. Um, but no, and I think it kind of ties How back. How big is the time machine though? Is it going to be able to accommodate all this? <laughs> oh, that's true. Shoot. It's a U-Haul. Doc Brown built a, a time machine out of a U-Haul. Bless his heart. Yeah. You're going to like, well, even thinking like if we had the, uh, the back to the future car, it's like, well, there's still room for it. No, you'd have to have, you know, then, then, then it becomes the practicalness gets in like, well, I'm going to have to have someone come with me because we're going to have to walk out of the store with all, you know, both arms full of stuff. And wonder and and people that you know 1985 people wondering why are you why are they clearing us out but thank you because we have to clear the shelves, um, but no I at, at the end of the day though that's what I love most about you know what, what I love most about your your site and the attention to detail on these you know patches you and Jonathan both because it you know when you get these it's just it's a piece of what you had I mean you know the best thing you have is the memory of what it is in in light of having the actual item itself. If you have the item itself, every time I look at it, you know, you just look at it and smile. But when you see this, it's like, I'm so happy that these are things. Um, because, you know, in this scope, I don't have lots of room for things. But, you know, I always have room for another patch, another sticker. 
Um, but it's just fun because it just reminds you of, of that time and just you can just see such a care and, and passion put into this. That's why I just love talking to, to folks like yourself just because it's just it's so it's fun and it seems like it's still fun for you and it, it just it, there's this drive to keep on trying and, and showing and now you're learning you know that just taking you know like changing the font or using you know making different you know taking a Merry Christmas or this but it's still that same design it just it makes it so much fun because now you're you kind of get to be a part of it for however long it lets to be a yeah. part of it exactly well thanks it's a, that, that it's words like that are what make it all worthwhile because I, I will I will get fan feedback that say these same things and that's that is really the only reason I'm doing it because I get as much love out of it I know if I'm if I'm a screwed up geek that loves this there's more <laughs> of me out there and I, we hope we just find each other and can geek out on it all and make more of it excellent um, other than what you were talking about anything else down the line that we should be expecting to see or some some another project as as far as like some things I should Look forward to seeing in the store or on, on Instagram. Well, I mentioned the last wave of capsules are coming. Right. And right now I have three other things in the works. One of them is the retro collection logo. Uh, I'm making a three-inch round patch out of that. Uh, that is coming. And I did two others for May the 4th coming up. I did an older I did a patch, May the 4th Be With You, last year that sold very well. Um, so I changed it up for this year, and I'm utilizing two of the mail-away offer designs. I took the Admiral Akbar mail-away offer and tweaked it and used the same colors and fonts to make his head bigger and to have it simply say, May the Fourth be with you. And then the counterpart that's going with it is going to be the one of the Emperor's head, and his will say, Revenge of the Fifth. <laughs> so they're both going to be three-inch round patches, and they're in production now, and I'm going to put pair those together to put on the website in April for the whole May the 4th be with you Star Wars day. So those are the things I have working right now and who knows what comes. Excellent, excellent. So that so that people can find you, can you let me know and you can let our audience know uh, how they can find your store, how they can find you online and uh, check the stuff out for themselves. Well, I'm on Instagram. And my handle, my username is Padawan Bear. So I'm at Padawan Bear on Instagram. I think I'm on Twitter lightly. I don't push any of that, but I think I did have an account that people would find me there. Uh, I'm on Etsy and eBay. So if you went to Etsy, my Etsy store is Padawan Bear Patches. If you went on eBay, you could search for seller Padawan Bear or look for Padawan Bear Patches as a store on eBay. And if you just want to reach out the old-fashioned way, I'm padawanbear at verizon.net on email. Excellent, excellent. Frank, thank you so much for giving me some time today. Um, like I said, it's always fun to find a little more about you know, the stories behind this and, and the people behind uh, such great projects and passions. And uh, I hope to see more uh definitely be buying more uh, i i i can't i can't say no to some of this stuff it's addictive i it's know addictive addictive yeah and it's once addictive. you pull the trigger and i'm like now it's a, as a collector i'm going well you know maybe if i don't put it here maybe i gotta have a little little display thing and start putting up those ones especially for the uh some of the figs i never end up getting so one way or the other they'll they'll all come home yeah <laughs> but anyway frank thank you so yeah. much and uh see you online all right thank you greg i appreciate the time can I offer you a libation? 
to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative. Once again, my thanks to Frank Hargraves for being on the program tonight. It was a pleasure to get a chance to talk with him, learn more about Padawan Bear Patches, and I hope you got something out of it. I sure did. Any feedback for tonight's episode can be made in a number of ways. You can leave a comment on the Instagram post for this episode. You can also DM me on Instagram, at RebelBaseCard, which is also where you can find me on Twitter and Facebook. You can also email the program, greg at rebelbasecard.com. You can find the show notes for this and all episodes on the website, rebelbasecard.com. In the Star Wars Card Trader app and, well, just about every other Card Trader app, you can find me at CornFedTech. I use the hashtag CardSquadron, not only for a way to put out the word on cool cards and card collecting, but as a way, hopefully, to bring the community a little closer together. We collect, communicate, and commiserate when we run out of credits and crystals to spend in the app. Join in on the fun. Plus, well, all the other cool squadron names were already taken. We collect as one, and would be honored if you would join us. And if you were a sketch card artist or Star Wars artist or collector, cosplayer or crafter, and want to talk about your work, your passion, or whatnot, drop me a line. Maybe we can work something out. I'd love to get a chance to hear your story. You can also help out the show by leaving a comment and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this podcast from. Otherwise, I implore you, Keep those cards out of the hands of the Empire, and I'll talk to you soon. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline, off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.